Welcome to Frontiers, ladies and gentlemen. Special long episode with a lot of guests and a lot of interaction. If you are worried about the length of this episode, we have arranged it so you can consume the different topics section by section in your favorite podcast player. My name is Matteo Penzo and I'm your host. Today, we're going to have a naked conversation completely dedicated to the future of well-being. We said it already. Well-being is defined by the Oxford English Dictionary as the state of being comfortable, healthy or happy. My guests for this episode, four leaders and entrepreneurs coming from the worlds of innovation consultancy, experiential spaces, digital healthcare and design. The Naked Conversation format is pretty simple. Each of my guests is coming with a question, and each of them will provide their own take to the questions they are receiving. A great way to deep dive a single topic from multiple perspectives. And it's now time to let the speakers introduce themselves. Nicole Rock Stanley. Thank you for having us here. Paul Papadimitriou. Thank you. Roberto Ascione. Thank you. Roberto Tagliabue. Thank you, Matteo. Welcome to Frontiers. My name is Nicole Srock Stanley. I am in Berlin and I run an agency network based in Berlin. We work globally and we are around 120 people coming from all disciplines that you can imagine, like landscape architects, architect strategists. We have researchers for all disciplines like new work, new leisure, and we combine all those disciplines. And our approach to well-being is that we actually create spaces that are dedicated to well-being. For example, we redesign cities and city centers that are dysfunctional, or we create, uh, design hospitals, the child clinics. Also, we do more commercial spaces, but we use this knowledge in order to create new workspaces that are actually um, stimulating and creating a healthy work environment. And uh, that's the way we kind of combine everything. Hi, I'm Paul. Uh, I'm less, like my last name doesn't say Papa Dimitri. You have three passports, Swiss, Finn and Greek. My real name is Jason Bourne and the passports are in the safe in Zurich. <laughs> I live in London. I used to live in Tokyo, Japan, Manila, um, the Philippines, Geneva, where I was born in other places. I started my career with a startup. My first startup was in 1995, followed by a few other ones. And after a brief life of being a lobbyist, I started studying myth, the narratives of our lives, what we do, uh, what, why we do what we do, how we transact, live, work, love. And with that, I do strategic uh, foresight. It's been 13 years now. Venture advisor as well, many verticals, FMCG to finance, uh, luxury to travel. And my interest with well-being is for I'm passionate with, you know, long-term, big picture, global challenges and opportunities. And well-being is all of that. It's, you know, it's the self, it's the self and health, it's the self and the group, the community, it's the self and the place, whether it's home, work, it's the self and the city, it's the self and the environment, it's the self and its globality, it's personal, almost intimate, but it's shared in general, it surrounds us. 
it's both daily routines and instants and immense, like, you know, climate change, it's everywhere and everyone and everything. And it's now and tomorrow and it's in 10 years and 100 years. So I really find it fascinating. And it's uh, one topic we really need to understand and debate and figure out urgently for the better of everyone. And I'm much looking forward to talking with you guys. Hey guys, hi, good evening. I'm a digital health uh, entrepreneur. I started to focus on digital health since before even the name was uh, identified uh, like today. That goes back to something like 20 plus years ago. I've been funding uh, multiple companies uh, with the main one being Healthware that I'm still group CEO for. Um, I'm also the chairman of Frontiers Health, which is the Frontiers Conference's uh, vertical on digital health. And I'm also author of the book, uh, The Future of Health, uh, which is about to get published by Wiley in a uh, post-pandemic uh, edition. At Healthware and during my career, uh, we care about connecting, communicating, and building uh, the future of health through innovation, code, design, experiences, so everything that can link technology to improve health outcomes for people when they are sick, but when they're not sick, to keep people out of any uh, disease. So with a huge focus on, uh, on prevention. So this is basically uh, what we do. We are present all over Europe uh, and in uh, New York City in the, in the US. Hello, everyone. Excited to be here tonight. Uh, all great speakers and all great hosts. Uh, so I'm Roberto Tagliabue. I'm the founder of Awake. Awake is a digital agency and acceleration partner in San Francisco. Uh, so what do we do? Classical digital agency, we help a big, big brand to uh, build great products with help of great design and try to deliver value for the clients and their investors. At the same time, also we invest and we help startup in growing their idea. Sometimes we meet, being in the area of San Francisco, we meet people with great technology and then we help them from the technology to come down to an idea that is a product on the market that is, uh, that is useful is useful to people. We are in California because it's the freshest, for us, it's the freshest farmer's market of business idea. We have new business models. We have this rapid technology, right? So and what we do, we shop for those every single day. We meet people, we interact with startups and do this one here. So we can have in our hands like the best tools and the best idea to lead the digital transformation. So and we focus uh, as a week, we have uh, mainly two branches where we focus on. We focus on uh, health and fitness. Um, some clients that we worked before and experience that we had before as a partners, uh, as a close partner, like uh, there is like a job on up. Maybe you guys remember the bracelet on your on your wrist that was tracking everything. And we work in retail. Uh, retail. There is a lot of like overlapping over there because because the relationship always between the two people, right? Whether you want to see there is like a doctor and a patient, or whether it is a, a sales associate and a, a client that goes in a store, and we use digital to connect the two of them. I am so excited by such a diversity of perspectives that I can't wait anymore. Please remember, you have three minutes each to deliver your answer. And Nicole, would you like to be the first asking your question? Um, yes, certainly. First of all, I would like to do a quick round of a very personal question because we see that the pandemic has changed 
so much in our lifestyle and our perception of well-being and the way we actually treat space around us. It becomes all of a sudden our own home becomes so important for us because we're kind of caged in our own environments very much. Um, and since you guys are spread all over the world here, how has your pandemic experience changed the perception of well-being for yourself? And now let's hear what Paul Papadimitrius thinks. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, with pleasure. Um, you look first uh, in context, however, I've been working from home-ish for the past, wow, 13 years. And before that, at other times when I was building startups. So it's not something completely new. Of course, there's a difference between wanting to do it and being forced to do it. Uh, it's not exactly the same feeling and the same framework. Uh, but to your first part of your question, I lived it pretty well, actually. I mean, I was lucky work-wise and I've always had my daily routines that pre-existed a pandemic to separate my work and my life, although they blend a lot, but you know what I mean, instead of finding ways to decide when, you know, the day was over, not to spill over my personal time or family time or friend's time, etc. So that for that, I was lucky. However, indeed, well-being as 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 created a new meaning for me because the pandemic sorry has created a new meaning for me with with well-being because obviously suddenly you start to introspect much more because you're you know you have less communication with the others you have a lack of anticipation you know we don't plan ahead like oh i'm gonna have dinner with mateo or i'm gonna fly to see roberto or nicole somewhere right and there's no the sense of anticipation so suddenly you have more time for yourself which for so many created obviously uh or surface mental issues again thank god not for me but yeah it, i think it revealed a lot of what we already knew right uh, a lot of the question we already were asking ourselves about our relationship with work our relationship with space our relationship with our city how our cities are created and how they've evolved and what we like we don't like in these in these cities for me for instance having lived in in a city like tokyo that i found very uh, peaceful I quickly realized that, for instance, London is not a very walkable city. You know, there's a lot of parks, however, and I loved that. And I was we're doing walks all the time. But you have all these questions that are surfacing. And, and then obviously, he's thinking about the health and well-being of others, of people next to you or friends or neighbors, and realizing that not everybody is coping well. And that, uh, again, something we already knew. But, you know, sometimes these get drowned into the noise of, you know, our daily activity or... I was especially someone that was going super fast, you know, was always in planes, always going to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And and sometimes you don't stop and pause and think about yourself and think about others. And for that, I think that reveal at least the, the shortcomings that we already knew about our lives, but sometimes that we wanted to hide or not think about the drowning noise. So yeah, it's, it's, changed, it's changed a bit, but nothing truly new, mostly surfacing stuff, at least for me that I already knew Uh, from before, um, not big life changes, but certainly more assertion, more certainty into what I wanted to do and what I didn't want to do going forwards. Let's open the mic to Roberto Ascione. Hey, no, I think it's a, it's a, it's a quite an interesting question. So, uh, number one, I, I'm still thinking about it because number one is not over. Then we also need to define what over means. And there's also the other aspect that after will be very different than 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 before and the, the part in 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 between i think we will have a better a better judgment 
uh, once uh, we will have put some time between you know these these days, this this period, and the future. So with all these caveats, I think the, the first thing that I you know I felt is the life during the pandemic and especially the lockdowns for me hasn't been much different than before besides travel. What I think has changed is that a lot more people have ramped up their consumption of digital tools and digital life, so to speak, creating a very huge shift uh, from before. Uh, before there were clearly a lot of people into a life with uh, defined, uh, linked, and totally intertwined with digital experiences and others uh, not at all or much, much less. I think that has changed and that has changed for both groups. So that's, that's one thing that I, that I felt uh, for me because all of a sudden that gap that I felt before between this kind of digitally integrated life and a more analog life is a gap that has been breached. For good or bad, I don't know, but, but I felt that way. The other one is I'm, I'm, I'm meeting people that are uh, telling me that they learn a new language, they learn to play an instrument and other things, maybe. Uh, and that was not my case. Uh, uh, I stopped traveling before I was traveling like crazy, but the intensity of work has increased a lot, uh, partially because of the sector I work, which is digital health, that of course has been like, uh, you know, very much under pressure uh, during this time. But generally speaking, uh, I think uh, that the, this 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 back-to-back -back calls on screen life is just not uh, sustainable. Uh, so this is an interesting. We will have to find a, a new balance. Uh, not travel again like before, uh, but surely not stay in front of the screen uh, for ten hours in a day. So interesting, and and I think uh, totally still moving and evolving uh, every day. And now it's the turn of Roberto Tagliabue. That's a good, uh, yeah, all, all good answer to really like uh, all good points. Like from my point of view, from United States and California, there's kind of like always like this like little pocket over there. First, I think I would say it's like that everyone, but I think this one probably is a, is a global feeling. It's like to me, make me, let me pass, let me pass the term. It made me feel like how medieval still helped, right? We do not know anything about our body, how it works, how it reacts, what is good for it, what is not good for it. That one was like a, a bit of a, a bit of a shock, right? In trying to understand how much like, uh, you know, discrepancies in point of view of, of how to tackle this on here, like globally, right? Uh, but at the same time, it's like, uh, as you guys talked about it, like a, like a first moment of negativity, but then start to see everything through the positive lens and see, wow, it was like, was, I, I see, was we in, in San Francisco, we we're going to open hopefully at the end of the month back to almost normality. Uh, and, uh, but I see there was almost like an interesting mirror of R&D, if you want to say like the one there, right? Because we tried all different things that usually uh, there are all like different forces that they force us, right? To, to reinvent uh, the way that we do, we do sport, right? Uh, and then we see all these things, like even like in a scary way also, everything also became too much screen for, for I mean, for, for the good or for, for the bad, but at least like we saw that one like uh, opened up, uh, uh, broke, uh, we, we broke walls and then we, 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 we started to care for new needs, right? We, if you think about it, even like the success of all the, 
well-being apps, right? Just like that. Uh, uh, that's just like people we naturally went to for remedy there just like oh i need a i need a a moment of break i need a space i need to go somewhere right there i think it's just like was like almost like a you know uh, like like i don't know i see that one there in my mind like almost like a workshop that that probably lasted a little bit too long (laughs) i think i enough two years (laughs) but at least where we tested we tested few things right working from home not working from home what does it work Uh, how do we how do we break down this like uh whole dinosaur of health that is globally is uh it just like completely reject every possible innovation right but it's i think so overall overall it's been it's been a good as it's a bit long workshop but good paul it's time we air your question oh thank you mr matteo penzo uh <laughs> So, folks, uh, we all heard the term the Roaring Twenties, right? It's this feeling, uh, I think Roberto kind of hinted at it here, stuff is opening back up depending on where you are. Some of us are more privileged than others. It will get faster than others. I live in London, starting to see life. We had one of the longest, if not the longest, lockdown in the world. So uh, uh, so the Roaring Twenties, you know, the, this feeling we're going to have a great party coming out of this pandemic if we go ever out. Uh, I'm not a fan of the term. Because as remember, the actual Roaring Twenties ended up in a catastrophic economical crisis and an even more catastrophic global war. So let's avoid that, right? (laughs) But since it's what so many people talk about as we're slowly and hopefully coming out of the pandemic, do you think there's a risk that the noise of this Roaring Twenties euphoria will drown some of these well-being efforts, some of the lessons we learned. So the, in other words, you know, we'll be out and we'll kind of forget about it. Yeah, it was a pause. Yeah, it was another era. Let's let's go and do the stuff do the way we did before. Or on the contrary, do you believe that it will fast track some, at least some of um, the, the solutions for global well-being? Nicole, what are your thoughts? Thank you so much. I think uh, talk, thinking about the Roaring Twenties is especially a nice idea because since I come from Berlin and Berlin was a hotspot for the Twenties and all the the whole excitement that came with this and we we actually produced here in Germany a whole series about Berlin Babylon about this subject and I think what what we can see here especially in Germany with the, the whole pandemic aspect and the well-being aspect is that Um, there was a big mind shift that especially I'm coming from a more city planning approach that all of a sudden everything got hyper-local, hyper-local aspect in in your home got very important. Your kids, your intermediate city structure got really important. And everybody noticed there are too many cars. There is no space that you can actually, there's no space for people in the cities because we kind of, because zipping all over the planet, we just didn't really need well-being within the city because we, if we thought we need something to be that is pleasurable, pleasurable, we just went to some foreign countries and went to a beautiful space. So we neglected our cities and I see a big shift in all the communities around Germany at the moment that they want to put love and effort into the city centers and to create healthy, resilient environments. Because the other thing that as everybody noticed that since everything came to a standstill is, oh my God, we have a climate crisis coming that is 
quadrupling the problem of what we already have, that we need resilient cities that can cope with extreme weather conditions as heat, as cold, and so on and so forth. And I think um, everybody is now really focused and um, and actually the German government got sued for not being ambitious enough with the climate targets. And I think that's good that um, the minute we overcome the corona crisis, everybody will focus on the economics and how can we accelerate this and how can we push economic efforts and uh, the ones who push that will be the first to say, let's forget climate crisis for a minute and well-being and everything that. Let's focus so we can actually gain momentum because we lost two years, economic years. Roberto, Roberto Ascione, the mic is yours. It's interesting to think about what will happen after. Uh, to be honest, I think on, on an individual basis, this will be a little bit of the, the personal attitude. And, and I can see those uh, uh, kind of, uh, you know, focusing on what needs to be changed and leveraging the almost proof of concepts, right, about about innovation that we lived through the pandemic with even more, I would say, focus just because of the learnings. But I also can see others that would kind of, you know, just wanted to go back and, and, and make this a parenthesis recently, I was discussing about this uh, and somebody was coming up with the analogy of uh, is what we lived through the pandemic a complete stretch that will stay stretched or will be like an elastic, right? So tending to get back to where we were before. Um, if I think this will be very individual um, and so I can see two groups. I think at... Uh, an institutional level and potentially, and, and, and I'm pretty sure uh, within the innovation community, many, many businesses, everything that we experienced is, is easier to stay and there will be a focus on, uh, as Nicole was saying, as an example, to redefine spaces and experiences in a way that are more compatible with what we learned, uh, honestly, the very hard way. So I'm overall very optimistic I think we will land in a in a better balance. I also think uh, in a probably uh, 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 quite, uh, uh, I would say, holistic way that we needed a little bit of a slap uh, on our faces about the environment, about uh, health. Uh, I, you know, I work in healthcare, so for sure there were a lot of people questioning the level of healthcare we were providing, challenging the national health systems. And God knows how we want it to have more of that rather than less. So that has surely changed. Uh, and we will completely now see healthcare in a completely different way because we experiment what means not to have it. So vaccine, you know, remember the, the Novax uh, bullshit. Can I say bullshit? I said bullshit uh, before <laughs> uh, the pandemic. Uh, now, I mean, there are no, no Novax anymore anywhere. And, you know, that tells you a lot about that. So I think uh, uh, we, we will be much better human beings after. We will still have uh, those that want to go back. But, uh, you know, in every big shift, we always had those uh, wanted to uh, preserve the past in a, in, a, in a negative way. I think instead that we are, we leaped into the future 
and and I think that that is the right thing to do. And now Roberto Tagliabue. Um, I think it's just like we have to again, as as every you know drama, every every hard time in our life, right? We just like uh, we have to stop for a second, and then uh, and then there will be this moment of, or at least this right now, the moment on the the exit, right? Just like we to 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 reflect about. It. We are we will all come out with a. Uh, lots of damages, right? Because it's like we we lost the uh, like a, like a, there was this good article of New York Times that was saying it's like with this like this heaviness and this feeling that we have, uh, it's just like it's almost like is 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 equivalent to this uh, sense of grieving, right? When you lose uh, when you lose someone, right? Uh, but in, if you think about it, I mean, we lose we lose uh, lose quite we, we lost quite a lot, right? Uh, we lost dear ones or people that we know that they were like close to us. Uh, um, we lost our favorite well-being activities, right? I miss running and probably Matteo, Matteo too, uh, and skiing, right? Uh, and but but most importantly, we lost uh, we lost like we lost our we lost like, a lot of time with uh, with people and friends and family that that uh, that we love, right? And so that, that this, there's this moment of rethinking about it, but it's just in some way, just like this, like we have to risk kind of like almost like press the reset button, refocus on those things here. And in some way you rebuild, rebuild. Uh, I almost like, I look at this one here, again, I was saying before, like the, the R&D, the R&D things here. I use another analogy to me. It feels like that, or at least the way that we have to channel these things here, it is a, uh, it is uh, almost like the, this mega once in a lifetime New Year's resolution, right? Like this is a very American one, or like when, when it comes like a, uh, uh, January 1st, everyone has to set, oh, this year after all the holidays, after all the bad habits that we build up in the in the in the year, we try to reset and everything. And I and I looking at this one here, the, like this this like euphoria that we need to have. We, we is our or at least like as us as a you know people that works in the sector and everything that we need to channel this one in the right way, right? We did we did we we have to do the summary. That is a good thing, right? We have to do a summary of of all the things that we did not like and did not work before the pandemic, but they were, we accepted for them. We never challenged them, right? The way we worked, like 24-7, sitting in traffic, uh, uh, almost finding an excuse because we cannot find a good time for to take care of our body, right? And then taking all the good things also that we experienced in this, like, uh, uh, one and a half years of R&D, of a, a, good, a, a better balanced life between, uh, you know, between home and the work, uh, a bit of more unstructured free time, and then and then think about it, yeah. And then just like and just restart and rebuild, rebuild, rebuild from scratch. And now, on the topic of healthcare applied to well-being, let's hear Roberto Ascione. Thanks, Matteo. <clears throat> so, guys, let's focus on on health. Surprise, surprise. I used to say uh, sooner or later we will all be patients which is inevitable and, and important to remember uh, till we are in good health and not patients yet. And of course, you know, we've been touching this firsthand during the pandemic as, as literally never, never before. We, we have felt the fear, the uncertainty. Uh, we experienced a lack of clarity about what's going on, the lack of access to doctors, and really not only about the virus itself, but all the other issues, treatments uh, have been disrupted. You know, this current situation uh, we're not very sure uh, when we'll completely resume. And then well, there will be the long tail of everything we haven't done uh, in more than a year, uh, in average, uh, which of course will come with a, with, a, with, with a toll to be paid in terms of health. So now, what's your perception of healthcare these days? And what do you expect from uh, 
literally the future of healthcare. So the systems, the providers, the doctors, what are your new expectations? Uh, and again, what, what's your perception uh, today? Nicole, let's hear your opinion. Yeah, well-being and, and the future of our system is, uh, I think we'll, we'll have a dramatic shift in everything that we will do in the future. We learned through the pandemic that we can't just drive efficiency in the efficiency seat anymore because our everything around us is highly efficient and it looks like it. So we completely forgot in the whole design process to put the human in the center of all our activities. And I think, especially in Germany, um, and we're so efficiency driven that we have to reintroduce the human aspect that we have to be human centered or even humanity centered and design our health systems around our core needs of um, how do we stay healthy and how do we stay well? At the moment, it just starts with the wrong name altogether. It's called Krankenhaus. I mean, it implies already if this is, has to do with sickness, it's a sickness house. And we have the, the first insurances already have renamed themselves and they don't say I'm a sickness insurer, I'm a health insurance. And uh, so we have to make a huge mental shift the way we perceive insurances, our services, um, the way we treat people in hospitals. So everything helps people to stay healthy. It's like um, back 3,000 years in, in China, where they said, um, um, you paid your doctor as long as you stayed healthy. The minute you got sick, you stopped paying. So this is the way we should go forward. Paul, your turn. Oh, thank you. Um, I think, well, it was said a bit already in the previous intervention. I think it revealed the shortcomings we knew already. You know, health and healthcare is personal. It's about comfort and health. It's a system. It's about people, the people we give care, the people who run the system. It's also about the system itself, the processes, the inertia, the habits that go along with any system, good or bad, the access that often comes with wealth and the lack of funding, the bureaucracy, you know, and we're all trying our best. I mean, we've seen that no matter all these issues. We've seen that most healthcare professionals try their, their best, but we have tunnel vision sometimes, which is a bit what also Nicole said. Um, and, and to put it in, a, in perspective, we will see other pandemics. Our footprint, human footprint in the world is enormous. We'll have other issues. We have pollution, climate issues, you know, agriculture issues, the presence of plastics in our bodies, et cetera, et cetera. We will find solutions, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful, but they've become almost above health only in the stricter sense, a bit like what Nicole just said. It's not, for instance, for, 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 for instance here, it's not only about vaccines. It, the vaccines will not save us about from pollution, for instance, right? We, so we have global challenges and need global cooperation. As we've seen again with, with COVID, which is probably the first truly global event we, we, we had. So we need to learn from each other and from all fields. I've lost, of course, of course, I've lost friends during these past 12 months, but I'll, they were younger than me, actually. But, I, um, but that realization actually came uh, through when I lost both my, my parents as pre-pandemic uh, for, for, for cancer. And, and it's like a lot of these questions in life, as long as they don't happen to you, you, you just you feel empathy, but you don't realize what it means. You don't realize what health means. You don't realize what healthcare means, right? And um, 
and for instance with cancer we know that it doesn't start the day you're declared having cancer like with covid you don't you know it's not the day you you got a positive result it might have something you might have been asymptomatic so we need really this whole journey of health i mean i mean i, w I wish we knew that my parents had cancer before so we could have done something you know so there there's uh, health comes before the profit access during the treatment and after the comfort or at least the dignity and and a bit jumping on what what nicole said is uh dignity is you know all doctors my father was a surgeon we 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 they say you do no harm, but we should add bring dignity and 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 people we know are afraid to talk about health or they're scared of the symptoms. It's it's not a very easy discussion to be having in society, which is which leads to the issues that Nicole raised about sometimes having a very narrow definition of what health means. And, and I truly do not think that automation can give us dignity. Right, <laughs> robots will not give us dignity. I mean, there's there's so much stuff that it can do. Automation can relieve the pressure on healthcare professionals, so they don't have, for instance, to only do like 15 minutes consults they can actually you know dedicate time and and i'm okay for instance to have you know i've had my own health scare during this these times and i'm okay to have my apple watch linked directly with my doctor so they can you know monitor my ecg for instance stuff like that but at the end we don't want people to feel that they are being triaged or they're being part of the system i mean we had the triage during covid but even in general we knew that before there was like of course we need to have priority but we want someone to talk to we want someone to empathize with us we want someone to to, to feel for us and, and we won't be able to automate our way out of this so we need to admit that we have problems we need to put more money obviously in the entire journey uh, journey of health and there's so many examples i could take i used to live in japan you can see the way they they already think i'll, I'll be in a second uh they think about the the elderly but yeah so focus on everything preventative you know from exercise to food to the car culture we need to walk more to the 15 minute cities we really need to think about the entire thing and i really hope that we can unnarrow this definition of health and i am very hopeful i think we can do it roberto roberto tagliabue what do you think I think so. Just like that, that is good things. Also, like it came out like uh, from both uh, from both you guys, like Nicole and Paul. This like aspect of dignity is like this is like what I experienced in first hand. It was a bit a bit really scary and depressing first hand in the United States. This like a uh, rush of on telemedicine that happened in the in the last year, right? So we 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 found ourselves uh, we found ourselves with uh, you know all the hospital in lockdown. Uh, and uh, all the offices in lockdown and so no possibility for the people to access uh, the practice and at the same time at the hospital uh, no people to bill uh, right with all, all the expenses right so it's like i like one, one of the company we invest into that is hell 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 provides uh, is a small startup uh, that provides a digital platform for hospital and small doctor practices to offer to their patient, uh, you know, remote visit access and tracking management of their their their, their symptoms, right? Uh, but what we saw that that happen um, is this year that is like almost like before I was talking about euphoria, right? But how much we have also to control to control this year? Like there's been like especially in the United States, it's kind of interesting this 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 in, uh, super fast regulation to allow hospital in a way to keep going working and provide care because it's absolutely necessary but in some way the digital revolution you know digital transformation has been really almost like spell on the table right because it just went you know in some good direction but also went in a very very uh, bad direction in a way that uh, you know we found hospital that they were using platforms to uh, in some way for what they were offering before it was just like, you know, a pre-visit, a check-in and everything. They were start to billing 
for a five-minute visit just to get the people back inside the uh, back inside the office to do another visit, right? Or you know, because it's, it's in some cases it gets like harder to um, to actually do like a proper visit, right? Uh, and we found like that there was like a lot of like over prescription, right? Uh, on the and so just like it's better kind of like better using big guns uh, to 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 give you like every possible kind of antibiotics uh, because I don't know whether you have an ear infection or if it's just a simple cold, right? Uh, and also we saw that one there. So in some way, like when I when I saw this on here, it was like you know again. Again, this is a zero America, you know, like business, business drive the things, but it's just like I always wondering and what I expect from the future is like, I think it's like, I was saying before, like this moment of uh, uh, restart and reset, right? That just like, we really bring this dignity. It's like, it's, we know that it's all about humans, right? And and it has to be human centric, right? Uh, and of course, we have to look at all the economics of all the things, but just like, uh, I would like to see again, a more patient uh, patient-centric system, uh, more actual care and the use of digital to improve, pr- to improve both, right? To improve business and to improve also uh, our lives. And now, coming from the world of design and user experience, Roberto Tagliabue. It's like kind of like it's a good segue to the, what what Roberto asked about uh, about the other Roberto about this this uh, uh, the question before right it's like in in, in my mind it's like I was thinking like uh, in my question for you for all of you guys just like like we you Paul you're mentioning something right this one here like that uh, you're talking about uh, that, that, that something about uh, yeah detecting the cancer and not not knowing and going and going there detecting the cancer right? if I only knew before right uh, in my experience always like we still in this age of uh, we all feel superheroes, right? We don't need any help and everything until we're not, right? Until like, oh, uh, something happened, right? Uh, we, 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 we are the greatest neglector of our whole well-being, right? Uh, some less, some more. Some like, they're driven by cultural aspect, right? Uh, um, some personal aspect, uh, some religious aspect, uh, and some, Roberto was also mentioning, right? Some unfunded beliefs, right? It's crazy to see also what we saw in the last year of circulating around and really, really with loud voices, right? Uh, and then, uh, um, and then we did we, we dedicate very little time and very less awareness to it, right? To our to, to our own well being, right? Until something goes wrong and, and becomes first priority, right? So if you think about it, how much how much time we lose in doing this here, right? So but if you think about it, we have the technology to help us to do better, sometimes even too much technology. We talk about and I think in the last last uh, one year and a half or R and D. We really use too much screen, and I think we all agree about that one, right? And it feels we're really stuck on it, right? We're stuck on old approaches. We're stuck on people that try to game the system, and we're stuck on literally on screens, right? But how can we do this one better? How do you, where do you see new potential, a new beginning, right? Do you see, but most importantly, where do you see the shift that we need to make in our mind, even as, as a consumer, right? Because right now is a good starting point, and 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 where do, how do we kick? this new year resolution. Nicole, the mic is open. Coming from an architectural and city planning background, also a design planning background, I have to say that our discipline um, is never innocent. So design architecture is never innocent. It just in the hands of people with the right mindset, it can actually um, make a lot of contribution to our well-being and regardless if we're healthy if we want to stay healthy if we're sick or if we're 
uh, old or vulnerable. There are, for example, there are design principles of how to deal with patients that have dementia because our perception is so different from healthy people that uh, we as architects and designers can actually use that if we work um, human-centric or humanity-centered that we can help um, people with, with diseases to be more focused, to can have a better orientation, have a better, um, have a better life through design architecture through the way we design our environments and our brains are ancient we are not designed to to dwell in front of screens we have so much processing in our subconscious that gives us feeds us with information about is that a healthy environment is that a threatening environment is that um, nourishing or potentially dangerous for example the pandemic brings us in a fight or flight, constant fight or flight modus, because we perceive that as a permanent crisis that we kind of accept, but our body is overstimulated by it. And that's why we have all those um, um, bad hormones in our systems. And through architecture and good design, we actually can calm down situations and take stress out of our cities, of our homes and of our workplaces. And I think... We have to take more responsibilities as designers, architects, landscapes, architects, regardless creative industry, um, to also battle the pandemic, also battle, battle the side effects that we created also through design. Paul? Uh, Roberto, I am the biggest neglector of them all because I'm a son of a surgeon, right? So <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's like we said before, you don't understand anything before it happens to you or someone very close to you, right? Which is why we neglect or we don't think about it. We, do want, we don't want to think about it, which is why I'm not idealistic. I don't think you will force young people to care about death. For instance, you know, when I was 20, I didn't care, right? Or it felt so far away that it was not a direct issue and... And actually, we're seeing that with, we, we, oh, sorry, we are about to see that in some countries with, with the vaccine uptake with the younger population. We still don't know what the numbers uh, will be. We already saw that the U.S. is going for bribes. You can get beer for vaccine or tickets for sports for vaccine, even pot for vaccines. Right? Or uh, more seriously, you can also not uh, force the underprivileged populations to prioritize health when they need to feed the kids. You know, there's always priorities uh, priorities in life. But it, it feels to me that um, we, we haven't bridged, coming back to the system and to design that Nicole mentioned, we haven't bridged. We have, we know we have super higher tech in hospitals, especially for acute treatment. And, and on the lower end, we have now apps on our phones or, you know, wearables on our hands and wrists, uh, but they don't really mesh uh, together, right? Um, and, and we cannot just say that we will, so, we will solve, I don't know, anxiety by telling people to listen to a meditation app 10 minutes a day. Just that doesn't work. It needs a more wholesome and more complete um, solution. And, and so it, it's both personal and global. And, and a little quip here about a Silicon Valley, this is not against you, Roberto, right? There's often the personalization of a problem, yeah? And a lot of problems are personal, but they are more complex. An app will not fix climate change or pollution or the next pandemic, right? And we won't fix well-being with automation, as I said uh, as I said earlier. So I think we need to start with what we've got. I mentioned, for instance, you know, I'm okay to add the ECG link to my doctor, but how do we 
make that as a design? Uh, these are the questions, the hard questions we need to, to ask uh, ourselves. I think generally, and, and almost more philosophically, the story of civilization and technologies, we removed uncertainty. We don't die anymore. We, we, vanquished, we vanquished smallpox, cholera, child mortality is super low. We removed friction even more with the screens that Roberto mentioned. I press a button and I have an Uber, right? And the pandemic kind of also surfaced that actually there's a lot of uncertainty and uncertainty never left us. It's always there and we might not always be prepared for it. We want comfort, we want answer, we want one button, one solution. You know, remember mask or no mask, right? And we knew that there was a lot of layers of solution and not a single one, right? And we need global solution. It's not one illness, one tablet and one medicine, right? We cannot have everything convenient, fast, everything now. Uh, life isn't that way. And, and, and I think one of the lessons in that comes back to design is simple doesn't mean simplistic. You know, simple solutions aren't simplistic. So we need to kind of regain that balance. Uh, yes, we will vanquish COVID, I'm pretty certain, and other stuff for lack of, but we need to think about lack of exercise, I don't know, fast food, and a lot of it uh, is complicated. And so we need to start by admitting that we have a problem <laughs> before we can even find a solution, I think. So I don't think everybody will care and not everybody will do it. That comes back to my earlier question about whether or not we'll care coming out of this, but that's why we need heroes, maybe people like you guys, uh, people that show the way, that find the innovative solutions, that work in the background. We need to fund them, help them, uh, because the trends and the good trends always start at the margins. So we need to push for those margins uh, for the people that do not conform, that will try something else, and then it will trickle down to the rest of us. So I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful. Roberto Ascione, the final answer is yours. Uh, these are all uh, <clears throat> great points, and the the question that Roberto, the other Roberto, was was was, was posing, it's uh, it's uh, it's probably uh, very uh, very very key for the for the future. Uh, let me try to convey my my own perspective about uh, this. So the let me say that um, healthcare so far. Uh, has been uh, uh, very much one way. In other words, you get sick, so you are in need mentally and physically, so you compromise any preference, any value, any comfort to the care you need because you are in a state of need. If you consider our inconvenient healthcare in many, many cases is and I'm not talking about high net worth individual or uh, cities of, you know, so-called developed countries with top-notch hospitals. That's not the global average. I'm talking about uh, the everyday person in a, an average location in the world that acts as an average uh, uh, healthcare facility. Everything is inconvenient. Everything is uncertain. You have the waiting lists. Um, you have uh, 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 often there's no clarity about uh, uh, a complex diagnosis. There's no clarity about what will be your care pathway, what you can expect, what will be the outcomes. In many, many countries, there is uncertainty about the cost, which drives additional concerns in the people. Uh, diseases that we label chronic so that you have uh, for a long time or forever is just a way to, to, to determine statistically that uh, you can live with them, but clearly people are not living their life to the fullest in those conditions. So all this to say that if these were normal services, 
normal products that you might choose to buy, to use, to consume, or not to do so, you would just simply not purchase them, not use them. So this has been Elker so far, has been an asymmetrical relationship. There's somebody in need, the patient, and there's something or somebody that delivers a, 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 a solution that you have no choice. You just need to take, uh, despite uh, expensive, inconvenient, uncertain, uh, undetermined, um, and that's it. So what we need to do is to, first off, put people, put people at the center of, of the system. So if we started to put individuals at the center, and we started to consider that healthcare should be just any other service uh, should be clear, convenient. Just think about any uh, uh, service that we learned over the last, especially 20 years, that evolved dramatically into personalized, consumerized, well-designed, well-thought-through, uh, predictable uh, services. So if we started to think healthier that way, then I think we have a, a very clear list of a ton of things that needs to, to be done uh, and that include the way we conceive uh, uh, the healthcare information, the healthcare education, how we are able to choose uh, the care provider who owns our data, which of course should be us. Uh, there are levels of uh, clarity that should be added. Uh, there are healthcare systems that need to be completely rethought to be a lot more accessible and a, a lot more, um, I would say, uh, fairly accessible, although they need to stay sustainable, which means that scale economies and optimization should be brought to the system through digital. So it's a very, very long list of things to do, but I think it all starts with a shift in the concept of healthcare. Uh, put the individual in the center, make it convenient, treat healthcare as any other service or product, and apply the ton of learnings of the past 20 years that we accumulated about how to design uh, approachable, convenient, and meaningful services. Thank you, Nicole Srock Stanley, Roberto Ascione, Paul Papadimitriou, and Roberto Tagliabue. Naked conversation, ladies and gentlemen, we had a great chance for a multidimensional deep dive into the future of well-being. And, as it always happens in our Naked Conversation events, a single question generates perspectives so different one from the other that they keep inspiring me for days. You will find my guests from today and many, many more on the recordings of our conference Frontiers Next Wellbeing. Connect to our portal at frontiersnext.com and reserve your seat to enjoy hours and hours of great content on topics such as corporate well-being, nutrition, longevity, mindfulness, and getting tips and inspiration on how to live a happier life. Thank you for listening. And if you haven't done it already, subscribe to our newsletter at frontiersnext.com. News and updates from Frontiers Next Wellbeing. Arrivederci.